right. All right. We're back for episode 20. Wow. 20. Season two. That's crazy. Which means we've done 40 episodes total. Wow. And uh, we ended last season on episode 20, but I think I've got a cool idea that I'm not, I'm going to leave it as a surprise for our listeners, but I think we're going to tack on at least one more. Mm-hmm episode for this season until we take a break so uh that's yeah this is not going to be if my plan (laughs) if it all goes according to my little plan this will not be the last uh episode of this season so stay tuned and uh anyway though we are in st louis missouri with a coffee that I have enjoyed for several years, actually. We have been here before, and I always like to Google and search. Oh, this is Coffee with Crime, by the way. I'm Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> if this is the first episode you're listening to. And I'm Alexi. Okay, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Just get right into it. Get right into it. <laughs> we figured you knew what you were listening to. <laughs> by now, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know me by now. Then you'll never, ever, ever know me. But still tell your friends. They might listen to this for the first time. Uh, Sump Coffee in St. Louis is a coffee that I had a few years ago, and it's um, got a very gripping logo. It's it's kind of this Day of the Dead look. Um, it's kind of perfect for coffee with crime. It is. It's like a, it is. a skull. It's a yeah. skull head and, and eye and nose, but then there's like a very robust mustache and beard and, you know, teeth. Um, b- b- gracing the bottom of the skull with a, you can see here on this logo, really, really cool actually. There's a coffee tree, coffee bush with the coffee berries kind of coming out of one side. And then it's, it's kind of like a, the Jolly Roger, you know, skull and crossbones, except instead of the crossbones, it's um, a coffee branch going this way and then a espresso portafilter uh, crossing oh, over the other cool. way. Yeah. It says established 2011. And um, like I said, I have been, every every time we've been here, I kind of Google, like, or anytime I'm in a new city, I look up coffee roasters and I read the reviews and I try to figure out what the best, what the best place is, what the highest rated place is, what uh, place is doing high-end coffee roasting and, and has a cool cafe. And so this was a place maybe 2017 I think that we were here and I and I stopped by and I got a bag of coffee and I really enjoyed the atmosphere inside the cafe and so um, we are now that we have this podcast we're coming back to this in the city of St. Louis and uh, we I, I did more of a deep dive into researching about this company and uh, it is really really interesting so around 2006 while working as a patent attorney in New York City, Scott Carey walked into a coffee shop called Ninth Street Espresso in Alphabet City, and it forever changed the way he looked at coffee. He says, I remember that first experience. The barista's name was Bob. He was from Portland. He was grumpy. There was nobody in there. <laughs> Bob had a bunch of sailor tattoos, and he didn't smile, didn't say, enjoy your coffee. He you just put the coffee down on the culture. Uh, on the on the uh, counter, and so this for for Scott uh, Carey was a new experience. He was used to like the Starbucks kind of stuff and everybody being really bubbly and and everything kind of being streamlined and and kind of uh, you know a little a little corporate feeling. That's that was his perception of coffee. And then he goes into this place, and uh, and there's uh, Bob, a, a tattooed Bob, <laughs> making lattes. Um. So uh, so anyway, after this, 
Carrie began looking for a coffee experience uh, that was more unique and elevated. And of course, being in New York City, that's kind of where taste really um, is made in, in places like New York City and, and Los Angeles and stuff like that. So, so we started realizing that coffee could be way better. It could be more, you know, the flavor could be more nuanced, not just like a dark roast, but uh, there was more options for him. Um, he would soon return, Scott Carey would soon return to his native St. Louis to take care of his brother who was suffering from a serious illness. As he searched for coffee back in his hometown here in St. Louis, he didn't see anything like he had been experiencing in New York. So on October 10th, 2011, Scott purchased a building at 3700 South Jefferson, effectively founding Sump Coffee. Um, nine days later, Scott's brother, Jeff, would pass away. Mm-hmm. So Scott used his brother's tools um, to, to renovate the build, uh, the build out of the building that would become the, the Sump Cafe. Each tool was marked with the word Gypsy, which had been his brother's nickname. Um, Sump officially opened for business December 1st, 2011. They, uh, and after about a, a year, they realized that um, they, they started as a, as a multi-roastery, which means they were featuring roasts from, they were in the cafe and they were making the drinks, but they were getting beans from other roasters. Right. But they soon experienced a lot of um, just a, a lack of like, consistency in the quality of the product and so almost as a um an out of necessity they started roasting their own coffee and uh purchased a roaster in um in 2012 and began uh, doing their own roasting and so that's what we have in front of us today um i still was not able to find out what the name sump yeah i was just gonna i was gonna ask you that it's a very s-u-m-p it's a very unique um name and i do not at this time know where the name comes from. Um, but uh, just a fascinating story about a person who, you know, was living in New York, saw something that was going on there, came back here and just um, wanted to create what he had seen and experienced in a larger city. And that is really, you know, we're from the Quad Cities and the and the Quad Cities kind of is able to enjoy these ripple effects of things that happen in other cities all around the world, really. And and um, there are, you know, like we get, we're, we're, I, I'm still waiting for a Korean restaurant, like a pure, oh, yeah. a pure Korean mm-hmm. restaurant in the Quad Cities, which is, is usually something you'll still, to this day, you'll only find in a, in a city where there is a high population of Korean people. So we might have to wait on that. But, um, <laughs> but let's take a taste of this All coffee right. roasted by Sump. It's an Ethiopia Shantaweni. Do you know? Do you know the tasting notes on this? I do. I'm looking okay. at them right now. This was right. roasted just a few days ago, and here we go. Cheers. Cheers. It's really, really good. I'm getting like a juiciness, like some kind of floral notes. I could see that, but it doesn't have it on the bag. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, well, wait, honeysuckle is a flower, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yes, it, yes, honeysuckle is the first tasting note on this right. delightful coffee. Really? Um, yeah. Okay, so what, what else? The other ones are lime and toffee. Okay, 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lime, I can get I get that. Yeah, I don't I think I would have to try hard to to taste the toffee, although there's like a, just a natural smooth sweetness in it. And um okay, so here's the Okay, th- I I can get the toffee. Okay, really? Yeah, now that now that I know about it, yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you you always wonder if you're tricking yourself into it, right. but but I I do I do like it when um, it, it in a certain way it is enjoyable when people say okay it tastes like this and this and this because it you may taste something else yeah but it gives you a reference point of right. things to look for and it kind of helps you it's, refine it's your taste it's very good um, so you over the years have made helped me realize the many benefits of brushing my teeth in the morning <laughs> but the one thing that I really don't appreciate about that. Mm-hmm. Is of course that it makes coffee a very strange experience. <laughs> basically, you just have to wait. You know, right. you have to wait a while and and um, eat other things and kind of like cleanse your palate. So I brushed my teeth um, <laughs> this morning like a good normal person. Um, I'm so proud and, of you. And I and I already actually had some coffee and some food and water and all that stuff. So I'm so now yeah. now I'm. My palate is, I think, effectively cleansed. <laughs> so, years ago, and this was like years after I already knew you, I learned that you never have ever brushed your teeth in the morning. Not in the morning. Only at night. But at night, I would brush them for like 10 And minutes. I was shocked. <laughs> Appalled, even. Appa- <laughs> and I couldn't believe it because I, like, if I left and went to work or went somewhere and didn't brush my teeth... Oh, I yeah. would feel it's terrible like all day. Underwear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would feel like, yeah. I mean, now that we have to wear the masks and stuff, right? I mean, I guess it kind of like, I don't know. It makes it worse for you, though. I think. But oh, wait, well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but another thing is, Lewis, like, he didn't go to the dentist for fifteen years, and then true. he went like a couple years ago, <laughs> and had absolutely nothing wrong. Yeah, no cavities. Everything was perfect. I do, and I do he, brush does, my teeth. he has very perfect teeth. I'm looking at his teeth right now, and they're amazing. So some people are just really f- blessed in the tooth well, department. I, I have heard that, um, and I have. When I was younger, I had cavities and stuff, and I have fillings. But, but I, I've always brushed my teeth very, very like every single night. I never miss, you know, right. a night. And you do like a thorough job at night, right? And this other thing that um, <laughs> my um, that, that some people I know used to make fun of me for was like swishing water in my mouth. Yeah. But I've just found out um, from actually my mom that uh, the dentists recommend that after a meal or after, mm-hmm. you have, if you don't have time to brush your teeth or, or, you know, to just like, because especially anything with sugar in it, if you're eating like cake or, or hard candy, I mean, right. most, more than anything, if you just swish some, some water or even hot coffee, just anything to get the sh- actual <laughs> sugar off the surface of your teeth where it is most likely to create cavities and stuff um, that it helps. And I've always kind of done that naturally because I'm just like always thinking about trying to keep gunk off of my teeth. This is right. coffee with dentistry. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Yeah, this took a turn we weren't expecting, but it's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and, and I, I'd like to hear from our listeners, too, because because, um, you know, brushing your teeth in the morning is something that yeah, uh, affects that... the way that coffee tastes I right mean, you know significantly yeah. mint mint and and black coffee don't necessarily <laughs> but you have been brushing your teeth in the morning i have every day or like most days most days okay yeah, yeah. It, night is always <laughs> most and most mornings um but it just takes a little time yeah. and like i don't i still haven't figured out a good efficient way and maybe someone I, like our like our friend tony tony Querio or someone who knows 
more about coffee would know like how to cleanse your palate quickly and mm. not wait like an hour or two hours before you can have a coffee that actually you where you can taste the, right. the tasting notes. Oh, they should make like a coffee flavored mouthwash mm. so that after you brush your teeth, you can rinse with this coffee flavor. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> make your breath horrible. <laughs> no, but then you could like go yes. right into drinking coffee. Yes, segue right into that. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this coffee. It's, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's really good. I can taste it, and I don't have any toothpaste <laughs> taste at all. Um, it's washed process, uh, Sadama, uh, the region of Sadama in Ethiopia, altitude about 2,100 meters above sea level, and the varietal is Ethiopia heirloom. Like I said, roasted a few days ago, and uh, this presentation is just, it's very eye-catching with the uh, black bag and the gold word sump with mm -hmm. this uh, skull and crossbones with the beard. Yeah, it's a very pretty bag. It is very beautiful. Like a couple other things about sump. Uh, there was a, there um, had a really, really cool experience with picking up the coffee. Um, let's see, I, I went to, because I could tell before I drove over there, that they had a very streamlined process for uh, curbside ordering. And so I, I got there, I parked across the street from the cafe and you can't really see inside, uh, at least you know when you pull up, you can't really see what's going on, but they're, they're not doing any dine-in right now. It's all curbside and, and uh, you can also like order online and they'll just ship stuff to you. But um, uh, a barista came out actually while I was fumbling around on my th phone. Cause sometimes it's hard. You want to make sure you get the right location and something, right, something yeah. or, you know, an order from their, their like a Nashville location. I think they do have a cafe in Nashville, which is cool. Hmm. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure. I might be mixing that up with the other one. Anyway, this barista comes out while I'm, and he's like, Hey, do you want to order something? Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. To, Cause I could have just been sitting there like being a weirdo, you know, <laughs> like, like uh, stealing people's Wi-Fi. Right. But, um, but he, he came out and just like, just, uh, in a very friendly way, asked me if I wanted it. And I said, Hey, yeah, I saw this coffee. I really want to order it. So, um, yeah, he brought it out and with the, the mobile, uh, charging credit card thing and, uh, all just happened right there and I drove off. And so. Um, so that's what they're doing, and that's what they've been doing since the the pandemic started, I believe. Um, there's a blog post which was really interesting and, and very kind of heartfelt from from the owner, this guy Scott, where he talked about how um, um, like the good and bad. It, it was it was just kind of lamenting like how how many parts of the coffee service industry changed as a result of the shutdown, but trying to see the good as well in it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a very interesting blog post, especially given the fact that it was almost exactly a year ago and there haven't been any, I would have actually been interested in hearing a lot more from him because it was just a very thoughtful commentary on like the effect that this was having on the world and also yeah on um on them as a roaster but he talked about the fact that they for a long time have really valued the and we've seen this with so many coffee roasters the val value of of uh, ecology of, of wanting to save you know paper th these bags you know they're almost always like biodegradable i mean which is which is really impressive right. um, and and he talked about the fact that like you know, they used to, people used to just be able to bring in their mugs or bring in their travelers or, you know, like get a, get a mug in the store and drink out of that mm -hmm. to, as a way of saving paper. And he's like, that, that's just not possible anymore. Right. Like, it's just, we'd like to do that, but it's not, it's not the way things are anymore. And so, 
he ta- he talked about how it, they, they sump in particular when you go into the cafe when you would go into the cafe when they were open they really had a, lim- a limit they they were very intentional about being different about being kind of like that expression of bob the the tattooed you know like yeah not what not what you expect um when you first ring up your get order your coffee uh, they don't, you don't pay for it. They just give you a, a receipt and you, you pick up your coffee and you pay for it on your way out. Oh, that's interesting. They only have soy milk and, uh, whole milk. Uh, those are their only options. And, and he even said like, he would rather just have whole milk and just have it be that, but yeah, you know, people with allergies. Um, and, uh, there's just, they, they, there's a lot of things they don't offer on purpose because that's who they are. Right. And that's what they were doing until, and, and obviously they weren't doing delivery. They weren't doing this, like this curbside stuff. They were, they were emphasizing like the experience inside the cafe, like espresso machines that are fancy looking or, or really cool looking. Or, I mean, there's this wallpaper that has this exact skull and oh, that's beard cool. design. <laughs> All it's, it's very gripping. Like Man, right, once yeah. you walk in. And all that it goes out the window. No one can come inside anymore. Right. You know, and this is him again. Him writing a year ago, so literally no one was inside the building. But uh, they've they've chosen to continue that. And so he said, "This has changed from where I was able to put my foot down and say, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. Um, and if customers like it, they can be a part of what we're creating. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they can go somewhere else. And that changed to where it has to be extremely customer focused." Um, we basically have to do what the most people want us to do. Right. And so it was a little sad, yeah. you know, because like this, this, uh, uh, the, the pandemic has been great for fast food. <laughs> it's been great for anyone with a, a drive through window, but it hasn't, right. it hasn't been great for, uh, I, I don't want to say great as in, but it like business has not slowed down for those people. Right. I mean, they, right. they have, they've yeah. made significantly larger amounts of money and it's been easier than ever for them to, you know, to, uh, to exist. Um, but places like this have suffered. And so, um, I'm glad they're still open. I'm glad, I'm glad they've found a way to make it, but it was a very, very thoughtful blog that I encourage people to, to, uh, check out, um, at the sumpcoffee.com. Mm website and uh shout out to i think his name is eric and i'm sorry for for uh, stalking him on but uh, but i <laughs> but i was going through the the instagram and i and i think i found the same guy that uh on a picture on their instagram that uh had had come out and sold me the coffee so thank you shout out to to eric and um this is this is really really a great coffee and um so i am thankful that uh we got to experience it in st louis yeah yeah seriously that's really cool that's a very interesting story and i mean and this goes for like all the coffee shops and everything i just really hope that everybody's able to get back to what they're doing and you know get through this yeah because there's so many great roasters out there and cafes and everything, and I just would really like to see everyone, you and, know. And we were hanging out with um, with your cousin and his wife last night, and he was he was telling me actually while you guys were getting that um, getting reserving that table, that a lot of places, a lot of mom posh shops around here have have gone under. Right. It's just been really really hard. Yeah. Um. But but you know we went to this barbecue place mm-hmm. last night and they stayed open and they're not. It's not like they've been there for a hundred years. I mean, right. they're, they're a relatively new business, and so they were able to weather the storm. It's just, yeah, it's so important to support your local yes, places. Yes, more than ever, more yeah. than ever, seriously. Yeah. Um, just a few things uh, more about Sump. Um, there's an emphasis on peak-to-peak or seasonal roasting, which a, a lot of the roasters that we try 
share in that in the, in that we um they they tr really tr try hard to only roast a bean when it's in season they're they're not trying to get stuff that just, you know get a discount on something that you know is old and right. like it's uh, very fresh uh and and make the bean the best it can possibly be um they aim for fruit forward coffees you can tell that with this one uh higher altitude beans and nordic style roasting in, oh. in this in this inter um some, something that the owner was talking about he made a reference to nordic style roasting which i which i had not not heard of before no i've never heard of that but it really it's just a name for the kind of coffees that we usually try on this which is um i, I guess about 20 years ago in norway there was this movement to uh, and, and i didn't know this that norway is the, uh, as far as i know it's the world's second largest consumer of coffee oh wow i'm which there's not even Relatively speaking, there's not a whole lot of people no. in Nor Norway. Man, that's but crazy. Sweden and Finland are actually known for darker coffees, and Norway decided to do this thing where they would roast it lighter and go for the flavor of the bean itself rather than the smokiness or that toastiness that you get right. from like more traditional um, Western European sort of Ital Italian roast, mm -hmm. French roast, like like darker roasts. So yeah, this started about this movement started about 20 years ago, uh, emphasizing light and medium roasts emphasizing um and not not so much the the smokiness and then emphasizing like lighter brighter cleaner fruitier uh that's what the nordic style roasting is so i just it's amazing how i'm always geeking out on coffee but i'm always learning something new and, yeah and that's a term i just didn't know before so <laughs> nordic style and it definitely goes along with this uh this this beard that right like the... <laughs> it just reminds me of a viking yeah um <laughs> Yeah, so that is the scoop on Sump in St. Louis. Wow, thank you mm. for doing all sure that. Thing. Like that was very thorough. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I really got into it. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much. It's cool to doing like coffee and then being in the city. You it, know? it is. It's I like, want to do this way yeah. more. When we first started talking about it, our, I, I think ideally we were thinking how cool it would be to be in the cafe, right, with this setup because we, we all we have is a laptop and this little sound interface box and a couple microphones i mean as long as we could get permission yeah. from, from the owners it would be cool sometime to go into a cafe and just uh just do the show live with with uh mugs clinking and stuff right like, and, and and conversation and stuff but um hopefully someday yeah yeah when things you know are i don't know yeah that'd be great tell me about a crime <laughs> all right so we did a saint louis coffee so I thought it was only fitting for us to do a St. Louis crime. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. So I I wanted to find like an older crime, something that was kind of like crazy. Yeah. And so I think I found something pretty good. So today we're going to be talking about Hugh Matram Brooks. Never heard of him. <laughs> I had never <laughs> heard of him either until mm. like very recently. Um, so... Hugh Matram Brooks is uh, from England. Oh, Hugh Matram Brooks it sounds is very Matram English. Is Matram Brooks one word or two? No, Matram was his middle name, I think. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So he was born in 1862 in Cheshire, England. Um, his parents were Hannah and Samuel Brooks. His father was a schoolmaster, and uh, because his father was a teacher, education was extremely important. To his family. And Hugh was a very intelligent young man. Um, after secondary school, he went on to law school and even studied medicine. Hmm. And by 1885, at age 24, Hugh was a lawyer. Okay. 
So, you know, he's, he's a very intelligent guy, you know, making his father proud. <laughs> um, in early 1885, Hugh met a man named Charles Preller. So Preller was a 27-year-old traveling salesman from London, and he was doing very well. He was extremely successful. He had a lot of money, and he was looking to make business connections in North America and New Zealand. So he's kind of wanting to branch out. <laughs> branch way out. Branch can't, way can't out. Think of two countries. Branch all more, the way out. <laughs> <laughs> more, more far away from each other than New Zealand and North America. Yeah, I know. I guess he just kind of wanted to cover the whole world. Yeah. Um, and at this time, uh, Hugh wanted to, you know, get out and travel, see the world. So the two decided to embark on a journey to North America together and then go to New Zealand. So they became friends. They're like, hey, let's go on this, this, this trip together. You know, this yeah. will be fun. So they landed in Boston in, um, sorry, in the spring of 1885. And so they land in Boston. Charles ends up uh, going off to Canada to make some, you know, business meetings up there. And then the pair decides to meet back up in St. Louis mm. the following week. Meet me in St. Louis. There we go. <laughs> so in early April, both men had checked into the Southern Hotel, which is no longer around. Okay. It was actually um, like bulldozed. Oh, yeah. In the, I want to say it was like 1930, something like mm. that. It was actually not super far from where we are right now. Okay. It was like Fifth Street and something. I'll have to look it up again, but. Okay, yeah. But yeah, I was I thought it'd be cool if it was still there. Yeah. You could like go check yeah. it out. But yeah, it's not there anymore. I don't know what's there, but maybe huh. we'll maybe we'll figure I, it out. I do like how the streets here downtown are um at least going I believe north and south, they're all numbered. Right. Sequentially. It makes it really easy to yeah, find. Yeah, no, I know. I rather than like Chicago, like, wait, is Madison yeah. like, <laughs> like LaSalle? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why every city doesn't do that. I know. It just makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. So they check into the Southern Hotel, and uh, Charles checked into room 385, and Hugh was in room 144. Um, however, when Hugh checked in, he checked in under the name Walter H. Lennox Maxwell, M.D. <laughs> That's a terrible name. Why would you make that up? I don't know. I don't know if he made it up or it was like a name he of someone he knew. Oh, weird. Yeah. But anyway, he checked in under a uh, pseudonym and made himself a doctor in the process. Boom. So he's easier than studying for eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so over the next, you know, week or so, the two spent a lot of time together and guests of the hotel began to assume that the pair were more than friends. Oh. Because they were often overly affectionate with each other. Hmm. So they were like, okay, maybe these guys are like together hmm. you know which back in like the 18 that would not have been yeah common. late 1800s yeah. that's not like super common um so on april 14th of 1885 guests of the southern hotel were starting to complain about a bad odor coming from room 144 so they started saying you know somebody's got to check this out yeah like this horrible smell so an, a hotel employee ends up going into the room and he finds a big trunk in there. Oh no. So he opens the trunk and finds a man's body. Oof, just decaying. 
Yes, in this trunk. And the body was clothed in only a pair of white underpants. So he's just like, oh my gosh. And there's a note pinned to him saying, so perish all traitors to the great cause. And a cross carved into his chest. So it's just a very creepy scene. Was like their blood all over? In the, like, pooled up in the chest? Or? Um, I mean, I'm assuming there was, I don't know how deeply it was carved in. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I'm assuming there was some blood. Oof. But, yeah. Oh. So, immediately, they call the police, and Good. the police begin an investigation. So, upon further investigation, they find that the underpants had the name H.M. Brooks written inside the underpants like you know how <laughs> with like a sharpie <laughs> well you know how like people i guess i think this happened like back in the old days they would like put their name on in their underpants uh, <laughs> i don't know but i'm glad to <laughs> learn today i've learned about custom underpants and norwegian you know, have you ever style heard that like oh like, i don't know why but it's like oh put your name on the inside of your underpants <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> i guess maybe it's like if you ever go missing they could like identify you. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. No, I'm. I, <laughs> it, it. I just. I just never knew about this. Yeah. Now that I'm talking about it, it seems really weird, and I'm thinking maybe I just made it up. <laughs> I don't know. But the name H. M. Brooks was yes embroidered or somehow placed inside these underpants, and next to the trunk was an empty bottle of chloroform. Oh. Hmm. Suspicious. Yeah. So upon interviewing the guests and employees of the hotel, it became clear that Charles was most likely the victim, the guy that was found in the trunk, and that this Lennox Maxwell guy was likely the killer as there was no sign of him. He had left. Yeah. My The biggest question in my mind right now is what is the great cause because this yeah. like, sounds like a cult yeah. like, sacrifice. Yeah. And we'll kind of get to that. Okay, sorry. Sort of. You'll see. Okay. So upon further investigation, it was discovered that this Lennox Maxwell guy had exhibited very odd behavior before leaving the hotel. So on the evening of April 5th, he was eating alone in the hotel restaurant and he was asking other diners if they knew anything about hiring an American defense attorney for a murder case. (laughs) A little suspicious. Just a tiny bit. And earlier that day, he had actually been seen purchasing chloroform in town. (laughs) Okay. So the pieces are coming together. Yes. Um, he was also spending lots of money around town, even though he had previously complained about having no money. Hmm. So suddenly he's just, you know, making Flush. it rain. Yeah. So he ends up going to the barber shop and has his beard shaved off. And then on April 6th was the last anyone had seen of him when he got in a carriage and headed towards the train station. Mm-hmm. So now this has been, you know, nine days later and they find this body. Okay. And he's long gone. Right. So uh, the authorities concluded that Charles had been poisoned by the chloroform. Okay. You know, they, you know, examined him and realized that it was a poisoning that killed him. And then they began a manhunt, a manhunt for Lennox Maxwell. Okay. So they learned that on 
April 11th, he had arrived in San Francisco and purchased a ticket to New Zealand under the name H.M. Brooks, mm. which was the name in the underpants. In the underpants. yeah. I, like, I like that you say underpants <laughs> instead of underwear or, or like undergarment. <laughs> the fateful underpants. <laughs> the underpants. <laughs> Those damn underpants. Um, so police notify the New Zealand authorities via authorities via telegram and in early may when brooks arrived in new zealand he was arrested and sent back to st louis oh wow so that was pretty amazing that they were able to like to communicate that yeah well back then yeah. right and get him and send him back yeah. they, they would have had, like they would have had telephones right like the like police <laughs> would put, they i would maybe they couldn't call that far away I, yeah i would think that would have maybe been under development yeah hmm Come on, Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah, you can't come soon enough. <laughs> they, when they when he got to New Zealand, they were like, "Let's look at the inside of your underpants, <laughs> see your identity." <laughs> so anyway, he was sent back to St. Louis to stand trial. So he ends up representing himself mm. in the trial. So apparently, Old. he couldn't find a good. And also, like, was he allowed to represent himself? Because if he was. A lawyer in England, could he, like, practice law in America? If you defend yourself, I bet you could just do it. If yeah. You're, if you're the defendant, then you can just defend yourself. Because I think anybody want. can, like, yeah. be their own attorney, right? Right. I don't know. If yeah, you, you probably couldn't have gotten a case, but he could, He could like, plead, right. take his own, yeah. Okay. Hire, hmm. hire himself. Right. <laughs> so his um, defense was that he had attempted to use chloroform to cure Charles from a private disease. Hmm. I'm not sure what a private disease he is. He never disclosed what the disease would no. be? No. Okay. Hmm. So, and he, it had gone awry, basically. Clearly. He had, you know, used a little too much yeah. or kept it on too long, and Charles died, and he panicked. Hmm. And was like, I gotta get out of here. I'm going to go spend all Charles's money yeah. dress. I don't know why Charles was wearing his underpants. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Lots of mysteries we probably won't know the answer to. Never. Um, but it didn't go well for him. Yeah. Uh, he ended up being convicted of first degree murder and he was sentenced to hanging. Wow. Was it a jury trial? Yes. Okay. And it was a sensational trial. Mm -hmm. Like people were all about this right you know it was very much and it all in the, happened in st louis yes okay. it was very much in the news you know yeah. selling lots of newspapers and on august 10th 1888 um brooks was hung wow yes at the jail and there were tons of spectators wow so many people wanted to see this guy hang mm. And he earned himself the name the Little Chloroformer. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of cute. I think he was kind of like a small guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's the story of uh, Hugh Montrum Brooks. Montrum. Wow. So what do you think the great cause was? So they say that they think he did that to like throw authorities off and think that it was some kind of like organized like uh, gang okay. crime type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's anything in his life that suggested no. weird um, like, like cultish activity. Right. 
Right. Okay. So yeah. Oh, okay, that makes. And then that's sense. probably also why he did the cross, maybe to like make it yeah, look like it was some sort it. of like a weird Ritual cult type thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah. So that is a uh, crime that took place in the city that we are currently in. Just a few blocks down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. That is interesting. Do you have any other thoughts or questions? I didn't know that chloroform could poison someone to death. I thought it was just used to cause people to lose consciousness. I think you would have to use a lot of it. Like, and basically like smother their face with it or probably and the thing is like too like to ingest it maybe back at this time i mean it could, maybe he like strangled him or something yeah. and they just like because once he's didn't passed know. out yeah yeah so okay. yeah it could have been more than that but hmm. yeah he was just trying to cure his private disease and it went <laughs> we'll never know what the private disease was <laughs> This has been Coffee with Crime, Season 2, Episode 20. Yes, thank you for listening to as, our second season. Yeah, um, as We'll always, probably be back with one more episode before we take a little hiatus. Yeah, and uh, check out Sump Coffee if you want to try some new coffee from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you can order online, you can order a bag of it and try it out. And what's this one called again? This one is the Ethiopia Shantawene. This is really good. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, we hope that they open soon. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah. again, thank you for doing all that research. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. And we, as always, will take our coffee with crime. See you next time.